Lord God, we ask you to be with these words. May we study what you have given us, Lord. May we see all the different ways in which it still applies here today. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So this morning we're going to, I know it's Pentecost, uh, but we're going to study something that uh, is sometimes overlooked, uh, sometimes only uh, reduced to a, a children's um, story. Uh, and the problem being is that once it, it goes into a story, all of a sudden we, we ask ourselves, well, did it really happen? Uh, and so uh, this morning I want to talk to you uh, about our Old Testament uh, lesson. Um, you've heard the stories, you've heard the accounts, uh, and um, you probably have uh, heard variations on it, uh, the story of the Tower of Babel. And it has um, kind of gotten to my head ever since in, in seminary. One of my professors says that NASA supposedly found uh, this great structure, uh, the foundation of it, uh, somewhere uh, in uh, modern-day Iraq. Uh, and so I began to wonder, okay, is, is, is this an amazing thing where, where we've actually found not just any kind of building, but the Tower of Babel? Uh, and so when we take a look at the Tower of Babel, uh, the story that precedes it two chapters beforehand uh, is, is a story, another story of an Old Testament Genesis, uh, the story of the flood. Uh, and so you put these two things together and, and questions come up all the time. Uh, and normally questions come up like, um, on the one hand, um, why does God put up with evil? So, i.e., why is there suffering in the world? And, and number two, uh, once we see things that happen in the Old Testament, people wonder, um, why does God deal with evil and sin the way he does? Uh, and so we take a look at the Tower of Babel uh, from Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. If you would read this with me. Then they said, Come. So what's, what happens here is uh, when uh, they get off the ark, they stop uh, populating the, the earth again, and they move to the east, and they move to a place called Shinar, uh, which is an interesting uh, place if you're looking at the, the Hebrew. Uh, and the, the place of Shinar is supposedly in between, somewhere in between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Uh, and so they go to a place that they know, supposedly that uh, the Garden of Eden is in uh, this same area. And so men keep going back to the same thing they know over and over again. God says, okay, now you can disperse from the ark, uh, and they tend to go to the same place. Uh, and so we take a look and, and see here that Shinar is the, the modern-day Babylon. Uh, and so a uh, little extra time on my hands this week. So I said, okay, so uh, how many times does Shinar appear in the Old Testament? Uh, and interesting enough is a lot of times when you see the word Shinar, uh, like in your uh, NIV or something like that, um, it, it'll actually appear as the word Babylon. Babylon. Uh, and interesting enough, you, uh, I go back to the, the, the Hebrew, and it, it, it's Shinar. All right, so the, the great city that, that we would see here, uh, Babylonian, 
All right, that's, that's where you get this huge country that, that later would invade Israel. Uh, you see uh, right here these people here in uh, Genesis chapter 11, and they're building themselves a, a great city, but also a, a great tower. And so we, we go back to this um, image of this huge, huge tower, right? That it would need all these elevators because it would go and stretch the, to the utmost heavens. And so uh, as you began to learn about it in Sunday school, you're always kind of like, okay, so how tall was it? Uh, the problem being is that this is not necessarily something where it's a, a, a tower that's going to reach uh, into the heavens, i.e. space, uh, but this is going to be a place in which uh, it'll draw men to it because of its immense size during, at that time, but also, also it's going to be used for something different. Uh, and something different is uh, a, a matter of debate uh, between scholars. Uh, what was it really? Okay, so let's go into it. It's found on your back, um, back of your, your worship bulletin. So when we see this verse 4, then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. If you have anything to write on, I highly encourage you to underline and let us make a name for ourselves. To put that into another way, let's, let's, let's do whatever we want. Let's boil that down to the very core here. And who cares who brought us forward to this place? Who cares looking after us? We have to take care of ourselves because nobody else will take care of us. Uh, and so we see a, a people wanting to be big in themselves, who they were, what they were doing. And so the problem being is that they set aside who God was and tried to make a name for them. They tried to be greater than who they were. Uh, and so we see in this place uh, that they built a tower. Uh, and of course, God looks at it and, and he is giving us a narration of what is happening. And he's seen uh, what men are doing. He knows what they're thinking. Uh, and interesting enough, in, from Genesis chapter 11, verse 6, this is uh, what is written. And so let's read this together. The Lord said, they are one people with one language. This is only the beginning of what they will do. Now nothing they plan to do will be too difficult for them. Uh, and so we see at this tower, uh, this tower symbolized um, a separation from God. That's literally what it meant, is forget who God is, let's go on our own. And the problem being is that God hears this. And the same thing that was happening uh, in, in the pre-flood is happening here again. Men keep going back. We don't need God. That's what literally it is saying in both of these civilizations. In the pre-flood, we don't need God. Let's, let's do what we want to do. And finally, God intervenes. And here at Tower of Babel, he's not going to send another worldwide flood. So therefore, God is saying, okay, I'm about to do something, but I'm going to narrate this. And God says... Let us go down. Let us go down to them. And, and don't look, don't miss this. Does God know from heaven what is happening to the people? Yes. 
So why is it that God would choose to come down in the midst of these people? Don't look over the language that God is using. That God, who could have done anything and everything from where he was in heaven, from his throne room, and yet he says, let us go down to the people. Literally saying, God intermixed with his people. He heard for, them, for himself what we were saying, what we, what we were doing. And so the Lord said, okay, we need to intervene right here, right now. Because these people are going off on a tangent. These go, are going off on their own so much so that they will totally forget God and they will be doing whatever they want to do. So we're not going to send a flood, but we're going to confuse their language. And the interesting thing here is that when we look at, at things, what are they being able to do? When you can't communicate, when you don't know what people are saying, when you don't know people who are communicating, when you don't know the, the, the context of the word, and all of a sudden people start to get angry, you know how this is? You stick a, a northerner with a southerner in the United States? I mean, before this sermon, I, I, I had to look at my, my, my wardrobe and said, okay, something's off. Something's off because I, I felt like I didn't have it. I felt like I had shorts on. You ever get that feeling that you have inappropriate dress and I was wearing my shoes instead of my boots? Y'all have your bags and your hot dishes. And some of us have our boots and our, our Tex-Mex, right? And so we use the same words. We're using the same words, but the problem is you mix two people from the north and the south, uh, and their language differs, and they're still, still speaking English. Well, get two people together uh, that speak totally different languages, uh, and what's the first thing that might happen with them? Uh, they might go on a tangent where uh, you look at someone that doesn't, you know, you don't look like me. You don't talk like me. Something's, something's wrong here. And it ain't me, right? <laughs> and, and so you have this thing here where, where you're wrong, I'm right, I'll do whatever I want, I can care less what you do. And all of a sudden, there is a distrust between us because of language, because of who we are. And so all of a sudden, I'd rather spend time with myself, wouldn't I? Wouldn't you like to go somewhere else? Hint, hint. Uh, and so the idea there is, is that uh, you get these people who... Um, go on their separate ways. They don't, they don't trust each other. They don't speak the same language. They cannot communicate effectively. Uh, and what they do is they sp disperse throughout the entire world. How can that happen? You know what? God said it happened. Things happened that way. So now we get our different races, our different color skins, our different languages, uh, and so we get our different uh, cultures. Everything happens because of what happens here. And so here in the, the New Testament, uh, we see that, that people of all different languages are, are coming together in, in one spot. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a festival, uh, and we see here in Acts chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, um, let's read this together. And suddenly...
Uh, and so we see people of different cultures uh, and different backgrounds are all in the same place. Uh, and we read all the different places they were in. And at the same time, uh, these, these, these guys who quite literally uh, are, are mostly unkept, are mostly un, uneducated, and here, at the, at the drop of a hat, they're able to communicate with you, not just in your own language, but language and words and phrases that you'll understand. And the only way you can account for this is one thing, and it's the work of the Lord. So the question is, um, why, why do we use the color red? Uh, you probably can't see the, the tongue of fire, right, uh, uh, on, on someone's head. Uh, you only get that uh, in uh, the... Mostly the, the, the people in that one room. And so the idea here is that every Pentecost, every Pentecost we celebrate the work of the Holy Spirit. And so everything around you is, is, is drenched in red because it's, it's, a, it's a color of fire. And so the question here is, where, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? If the Lord can work a day of Pentecost in the lives of these people, does it stop right here? Or do we say, with the work of the Holy Spirit, can we really limit God? Can we really limit God? Can you be speaking and you hear English and that person hear in their own language the words you are trying to speak? Is that a God thing? Is it something that beckons us from somewhere that's not of ourselves? And so the question being then is why do we tend to shy away from speaking to others? You ever notice that? We want to see a day of Pentecost, but at the same time, why do we shun away if God was the one working in the day of Pentecost and he can still work that today? Why do we like to shy away from talking with others? The question and answer is within ourselves. Lord, when will you send us our Holy Spirit? Because that's the troubling thing, isn't it? If you pray for the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, are you okay with that? Are you okay with what might happen afterwards? Most of us are saying, okay, i, I got to be sent to, to some remote village in which I will never see another person uh, that speaks my language, and I have to re resort to living in a hut. The problem being with the work of the Holy Spirit, God's already brought them here. God's already brought the nations to this place, even to here to Minnesota. Introduce them to things like automobiles and, and houses that, that don't wash away. To snow and winter clothing. And here we see the face of God going with us here in a weird place called Wilmer. Because the Lord in his right mind and his Holy Spirit has passed on from generation to generation from people who, who spoke Hebrew to a people who spoke uh, Greek to a people who spoke Latin to a people who spoke this weird thing called German to a monk who translated it into your language so that you may have the word of God in your language 
so that you may see the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life so that this old life won't be something like, okay, let's just do what we've been doing for years. Let's go and work and say, God, how do you want to work in us? Because we don't know what you're going to do. We don't know when you're going to show up. But at the same time, what can this church do that amounts to doing things by the work of the Holy Spirit? Who can we feed? Who can we uh, house? Who can we clothe? Because if it's the work of the Holy Spirit, we're not even going to be able to answer that, that question because God's going to give us that answer and we already know. The question is, will we work and step out in faith? Will we step out in, in faith? Because it's not just speaking in tongues that's important. Not just speaking in tongues. But by the work of the Holy Spirit here today, God does different things with you and with me. You let God do the work and you step out in faith. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we don't always know what's going to happen for the rest of the day. We don't know uh, what it is that you have prepared for us in the future. Lord God, help us understand by the work of the Holy Spirit. Lord God, you guide us. Help us each and every day not to hinder what you would have for this congregation, for your children here. That, Lord God, may we do what it is that you have set out for us to do. In your son's name we pray. Amen. We'll get to choose one hymn. One hymn.